You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. We promised we'd do another episode before too long, and this week we're sharing two. We had planned to do an episode on a tech stock thesis that Akram has had since the beginning of the year, or a little bit earlier, the rare name in the sector that hasn't sold off meaningfully so far in 2022, and a company that is not social media or streaming or software-based, so a new part of the tech sector. We did end up recording that. However, another stock that is actually up in the tech sector this year, after recent events, is Twitter. And we decided to also talk a little bit more about that stock. Akram posted an Easter Sunday case for why the Twitter board should accept Elon Musk's offer, assuming it's fully financed, etc. And I had some questions. So we talked about it. Akram's case, why the price is or isn't okay, why Twitter should or shouldn't be private, and what Jack Dorsey is doing in all of this. Since events are moving fast, and for personal reasons, we are releasing the Twitter part of the conversation on Monday, just in case things outdate it. And we'll release the second part of the conversation on the other stock later this week, Thursday or Friday. This was recorded Sunday at about noon Eastern. Nothing on the conversation is investment or business advice. Akram is along Twitter. I have no positions. I don't think we touch on any other names we hold. Here it is. Akram, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? It's going well. We've got (laughs) interesting times as ever. We've got Easter weekend, which is also coinciding with Passover and Ramadan on the schedule. And it's also coinciding with, before we get to our main topic today, which is going to be one of those rare tech names that has held up pretty well amidst the change in sector sentiment so far in 2022, the long idea that you've had and gets us into a different part of the tech sector. We have to talk about the Knives Out weekend happening on Twitter, about Twitter, and to do with Twitter. And we're recording this again Sunday afternoon. Surely news will come out, will have come out before this is released Tuesday morning. Maybe we'll try to push this out Monday morning, but stuff is happening. You so among the stuff happening is Jack Dorsey calling out his own board and then saying he's not supposed to. 
um, Twitter adopting a poison pill, the Twitter board adopting a poison pill defense so that Elon Musk cannot just go hostile, presumably. Elon Musk, of course, having made his 5420 offer and then talking about it at a TED Talk, saying that he's not even sure he has the money to make the make the acquisition, continuing his beef with the SEC and so on. Lots of angst on all sides. And then you just published a piece this morning. I think it was this morning, um, Sunday morning on your uh, ghost. Taking advantage of the traffic. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big, big. A low before the NBA playoffs pick up. It's perfect timing. And uh, you talk, You made the case that Twitter should take the offer and let Elon, or, you know, accept Elon's offer to buy the company. So I guess I have some questions, but very briefly, or you know, relatively briefly, what, what, why, why, why should, why do you think Twitter should accept this offer, or if they end yeah, up, ex- like- yeah. Uh, two things have really transpired uh, that uh, I'd say that what's happened in the market for the last six months really got me, you know, more focused on, you know, what it what it's worth in comparative to other financial assets you can choose from in the space. And I, I I've chatted with a few people. Look, I've always been kind of in in, in a push bank camp that like this company has like essentially a culture of like people taking naps and being lazy and uh, not getting stuff done and, you know, their day of rest and everything along those lines that like is out there in the public sphere and the wokeism and that they're, you know, more focused on uh, their own political views and and how it relates to their jobs and so on and so forth, you know? Yeah. The, yeah. That's, that's sort of the, the ax yeah, that so like, Elon's grinding among others. Well, I mean, there's, yes, correct. So among others being key. So like that's been going on for a while and it's very hard for someone like me looking at something like this from, from the outside to be like, is like a business really is suffering from this at like this scale across an entire business. Like you've some, some of the issues you hear about Twitter, right? Like, it's not like you didn't have the Apple employees throw a hissy fit about the, uh, what's hiring and what was his name? Antonio Garcia. Uh, it's not like you haven't seen them throw hissy fits about uh, return to office. Right. And like, again, it's a question when you deal with a company like this, like what percent of the company, right? Like any large organization, like is going to have enough people <laughs> who are going to complain and, you know, who are essentially going to function in a, in, in a labor union type of mindset. Uh, and who are going to think that like, it gets to the point where uh, it, the, your employer uh, is, is, is kind of like your parents, right? Like, versus this kind of like purely professional relationship that like you start you know pushing more and more of what you can get identity has been very much tied with the workplace in yeah for better or worse in that from a number of perspectives yeah for sure. and a lot a lot of these a lot of these tech companies uh in the last decade really took kind of a, a very collegial you know college campus approach 
right? So like, I mean, they're doing their laundry. They've they've got like you know sleeping rooms. They've got cat rooms to play with cats. They create an environment to keep them at work, right? Like, and and never essentially leave the campus. And like, I think out of that has kind of bred that like, you know, your employer, uh, like it extends into every facet of your life. And if it's if it extends into every facet of your life, and it's cover like part of the downside of that ultimately is going to be is that like your political, you know, identity is going to start coming into it. Right. And you're going to start to think that like, you know, well, I mean, I have free speech, right. But I can say whatever I want. I mean, like, I mean, anybody who's dealt with anything in the private sector knows it doesn't exist. Does it? <laughs> the first amendment does not apply there. Right. Uh, if you went to a private school and you said something, uh, you couldn't say, hey, it's free speech. They can just expel you. <laughs> it's yeah. Hap- happens all the time. Uh, so, like, yeah, I mean, I've been very reluctant in with respect to the Twitter thesis that, like, it's so culturally broken. Okay. I mean, like, you've dealt with so many things over the years, right? Like the, oh, I mean, I just listened to the All In podcast on this. And Shamath is sitting here just like, look, it's really simple. This stock is trading where it was trading in December 2013. That's all that matters. These are the facts. You can't hide from this. Okay. That is the problem here. That's like, dude, it was 80 times sales. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, now you're even going to be doing this. Like, what are you going to be saying about your entire SPAC portfolio in five years? <laughs> like, like, is every business going to have to be facing that? Oh, remember this Shamat uh, SPAC? It traded here, right? It's completely sucked. Well, what if one of those businesses actually turns out to be executing well, right? Like that should not become the measuring stick of investing in that company. So you do have to account for this with with certain companies. So yeah, I mean, like I'm not going to get into all of this, but I mean, the bottom line is that like I have been reluctant to just basically say it's unique, okay, and that the the getting things done there is somehow impeded. Uh, by this, you know, kind of uh, babied culture. Uh, and I mean, I talked to someone last week who was just like, you know, really just kind of hit home on those things. He's a very type A type of guy. And uh, I mean, I'd heard him before, but like after that, I was just like, all right. I mean, clearly there's enough people who are in the camp that, uh, Twitter has a, a cultural identity problem where you have a lot of people who don't want to leave uh, because the getting is too good. And uh, that's, that's made it very difficult for, for certain people who come in uh, to get anything done. So that kind of triggered this whole, you know, like two-pronged thing. I mean, the first thing is obviously the valuation is, I'd say it's, it's a fair offer, right? So what he's offering, you know, is essentially two times the trailing sales multiple, you know, for for uh, Facebook and Pinterest, to, you know, a little bit less than uh, a little bit less than Snapchat. Well, Snapchat's been growing, you know, twice as fast, uh, and you know, it's like it works out to like you know, fifty-one times twenty twenty-one gap EBITDA, right? 
So like when you like again, Twitter isn't where Pinterest is, like and and, and it isn't where Snapchat is in terms of that low, easy hanging fr- fruit uh, from from revenue growth. Like it's been around for a while. It's mature. It's kind of going through this uh, structural transformation on the ad side, and it's starting to experiment with other lines of revenue. So like it does have this kind of potential to say like, oh, there's a bunch of baby steps going on here that could potentially turn into something bigger, right? And and that's been part of the reason why you're willing to, to pay a premium multiple for the stock because they've actually started you know, to grow faster than they have historically, uh, at least, you know, over the last two years. And like some of it is obviously COVID, but some of it is very clearly. Product momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Improvements that they've made. So like when you take that into account and you try to kind of value something like this, right, they gave you their, they gave you their timeline, right, at the, at the analyst day. And the targets, you know, 7.5, but it's basically, you know, uh, a 20% CAGR and MDAUs of, what was it, 300, 300 million, 310 million? I think 300 was the number, but yeah. I... And the MDAU number has been the number that, like, you know, there's zero confidence that they can hit that target that they set in February based on the current trajectory, right? So, like, no one's actually factoring that number into you know, the valuation of, of, of the business, but on the revenue side, right? Like I think enough people are confident that like it does 20% for the next two years. Okay. Now the thing is if you do 20% in the next two years and, and you were thinking about that within the standpoint of where it was trading, you know, uh, five months ago, right? Like the, the standpoint five months ago is that you're, you're going to do close to 30, right? And like, that's why the stock is going to trade here. And that's what's going to get me to a hundred. Okay. And uh, I have the downside protection, really. I mean, like if your cost basis was like, you know, in the $30 range, like, you know, for some of us from, from 2020, right. Like you were, you're, you were thinking that, uh, I mean, when, when we recorded the podcast with Rajiv, right. Like we were all happy with 50, right. You know? Well, like so <laughs> let, let me jump in here because I think the you're, you're, there are three things that I took from your piece that I wanted to drill in on and ask you about. Um, and price is the most obvious one because on the, like, on the one hand, for sure, um, that was 50 seemed to be the, the top of the hill for the Sisyphean task where... There was the sell-off after Q3 2020. That was when Rajiv came on. There was the Trump ban um, and still sort of stop-start. And then sort of towards the beginning, it, it was maybe not long after that. I'm now losing my timeline, whether it was not long after that or early this year. I think it was not long after that. Last year, it started to get some momentum. And I think this is something that you're better at it than a lot of people at not anchoring on price and not, but I do think that 54, like you would call it 50, on the one hand, you're, you're being recently consistent because you had said you sold half your position when it got to about that price. So well done on that. But I'm just curious, like it didn't, it's still, 
I, I, I would have thought uh, I sold my Twitter position. It was tiny anyways before all of this. But I would have thought that somebody in Twitter was playing for a little bit more. And 5420 seems very, it feels very Buffett-like to me, actually, in terms of finding a temporary sell-off and swooping. But also, I wonder if it also is implied in your sort of feeling that maybe this market's not going to be so exciting for a while. And so actually, this might be a nice chance to get out and whatever you entered, it's like it's it's a reasonable price in the current climate. Like I, but I'm just, I wanted to drill in on that price aspect a little bit more. I mean, look, price was all like price was always a, a big part of it was relative. Right. So they were growing. Like, if you remember, I mean, I laid out a hundred dollar target, right. Uh, for 2021. Okay. When the stock was 45 in January. Okay. And we went from 45 to 80 in about 40 days. Okay. Uh, I mean, like we hit it in early March. Then there was the Archigos blow up. Uh, and I sold some, by the way, at that time. I'd been playing the calls. But then there was the Archigos blow up. Uh, and, the, and the stock came back down. And I think it was the high 50s, right? I mean, like we were, I mean, the stock was barely above 71, 72 for, you know, a couple sessions. So, like, if you really want to consider it, like, where was, where did it really peak? It's essentially low 70s. Okay. And it came down, you know, to, you know, I think you know, mid fifties. And then in that like reporting period in July, where every, you know, ad related company reported the best revenue numbers and growth numbers in the, you know, since like their embryonic days, right. Uh, it got back up over seven. Right. And then we just kind of hovered, uh, you know, with kind of downside pressure around Pinterest uh, and like, you know, kind of waning sentiment, uh, in, you know, in the, in the low to be like between 62 and 65, right. Going into Pinterest, uh, going into Snapchat's earnings when it fell 50%. And we were still, we held up, we, we held up over 60, despite that when we reported in, you know, whatever October. And then it was just a clip dot, right. Like it reported traded up after hours. And then it just tanked. Effectively speaking, there was nothing wrong with that quarter. And it was actually the best quarter of everybody in that space against uh, both absolute and, and relative expectation. I mean, you could still nag them a little bit on MDAU, but overall, it was great. And uh, the next morning, it just rolled over and rolled over with the space, right? Like it was just out, you know, it was outperforming. And like people just started to, fuck, you know, to fade it. And I mean, that was, I mean, I had that gut feeling. I sold a little bit after hours. I thought I would get a, just a little bit more, right? I was like, I'm going to get to buy this thing back down in the low 50s, okay? And I was just like, you know, having been in a while, I'm like, it's a 20%. Like, that's like the low 50s seemed like where it should be trading, where, where everything had gone. But like, you develop those biases when you've been long something for so long, right? And it's actually confirming them by outperforming everybody else in the space on the actual operating business right so like when you actually you know, i don't have idfa you don't have this i like i'm brand advertising i don't have you know direct, like all the things were going in your favor i just started doing this as a subscription like you know our product innovation we killed clubhouse and like you know things were there to continue to support your kind of bullishness right but like you said don't anchor to 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 price and i mean even when i made the hundred dollar argument someone was like oh that's crazy 
you know, it, grew, it had negative growth. I was like, dude, it's going to grow like 50% this year, <laughs> right? Like I'm not a hard prediction, by the way. Like just look at what's going on. Look at the, look at the comps that you have against it. Uh, but if you're going to tell me that Snap, Pinterest, and so-and-so are going to be here, like I will cut my price target in half, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, like a gr growth name in the space was getting 30x sales, right? Like pushing Twitter up to 13, 14 wasn't insane, okay? But like, you're very wary of the fact if you were shorting the stock at seven times sales in February of, uh, of 2020, right? When, when, when the <coughs> Elliott uh, stake was announced and it was trading at a premium to Facebook, you're like, I mean, I can see this thing back at five times sales, right? Like I can see the space trading there, particularly with, with, with its margin profile, right? So it's not unheard of. So like, yeah, you're, you're kind of sensitive to it. And like, we have had a step function change in valuation. So once you have a step function change in valuation, I mean, the only good thing for me with respect to Twitter is I started going the other direction because I would have been really tempted uh, to be buying it, you know, from 50 on down, right? So like, I mean, but like once you you have you've had a decent position for a while, like you you know you're like all right, I mean like I just can't add here. And by the way, like there's no reason to add when like you attribute everything to a re-rate in in the space. Okay, you've been hanging on to this. It's not unique to Twitter, and like that actually kind of made it easier to digest what was happening with the stock, right? Even though it came all the way back down. You know, it's almost where I first got involved in in in, uh, in June of 2020, right? So, like, it's it, it was kind of amazing to watch, but like, is that really that amazing when Zoom 10x then came all the way back down, right? I mean, literally 10x the entire business grew operating income 200x, roughly speaking, and uh, it, you know, stocks trading below 100, right? So, like. You, you, you like when you see when you when you're when you've got kind of this like you know uh wide you know lens type of uh look at things you, you like you you're you're willing to be like okay this is just not crazy at all and uh uh this is what it should be worth you know today so like i can look at the offer and i say twitter is going to do 20 percent revenue growth uh this year and next year which is pretty much where the consensus is at. And let's say they can, you know, improve margins somewhat, right? Like I can see it trading, you know, at this current price, work its way to add to this current price in two years, provided that when we hit two years from today, like we still have visibility into high teens revenue growth. Okay. If if we if two years from today. <laughs> Like it's kind of steps down to, you know, 10 to 15%, right? I can see the stock still languishing here, particularly if they have not really addressed the bottom line, okay? In terms of whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, bloated overhead, okay? And I mean, if that's the case, right? Offering 5420 today is a good deal. 
okay? Because the, the alpha I'm going to create in the name beyond 5420 today is literally going to come from the market, in which case you want to buy any one of the names that give you that factor. You're not going to get any more out of Twitter. You're probably going to do better than anything else. Go buy a C limited or trade an upstart or, or whatever, right? Or a Zoom. You can broaden the range of Pinterest, right? I mean, Pinterest is trading at four times sales and like, you know, structurally a more profitable business, you know, than everybody else because of the nature of that model on, you know, on, on their relative scale. And I mean, it's got a $12 billion enterprise value, right? I mean, that's, uh, I don't know, like, uh, what your position is on that, but I mean, you know, I was, I was once upon a time, a Pinterest bull, we've discussed this, you know, good that I, I changed my, my view, but like that stock is like essentially one fifth of what it was. Right. It's what I, I own shares at 22 right before the pandemic, a tiny position and sold it early days of the pandemic. Like after I got back to even because it was a non-core position, but yeah, it's all the way back down there again. Yeah. And Snapchat almost got to essentially a hundred, like what, 95 and where is it today? 32, 33. So it, it's another name. 33. Yeah. Look at it. yeah. And that's like 12 times sales and, it's expected to grow twice as fast as everybody else today. I mean, Snapchat's expected to be as big as Twitter on a revenue base by the end of this year. And, uh, you know, about a billion bigger than the next year. Okay. Uh, so like, there's still like, you know, the people who, who view this as a, like, whatever, I hate the word, but more of a hyper growth play at this point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, what motivated this is that you kind of look at this offer and you're just like, you know, he's paying a premium. Uh, like probably a 50% premium to where the market was putting this thing just recently, where he started buying. And if they, like, if it's not going, if I'm not a person who believes very strongly and I have a clear path that like, this is more like a 25 to 30% grower, I have to take this offer, right? Like it's anything that's being left on the table from here like he's actually paying a premium to it operationally. Uh, and he's looking to extract the value, which is not like in theory, not going to be very easy, right? Like if you think about it, uh, with his hard work, right? I mean, as you should, if you're willing to drop $40 billion on something like this, uh, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to put a lot of energy into transforming it. Like, you know, the path from, from 40 billion uh to 100 billion should be yours you know like there's there's no getting around that unless you're really not adding much and the public market you know solves it and like that's where you get into this whole thing like uh you know all the twitter bulls you know we're a group of friends elliot just had a piece about uh twitter being a unique asset i don't know if you read that uh i don't think so yeah, I mean, basically making the case that like you can't use traditional discounted cash flow relative valuation metrics to it, and I mean it's fine. Like when something is transforming, and you can like you can point to that. But like I'm also on the other on the other camp that it also has very unique issues, right? Well, so, it's so well. That's actually the the second thing I want to ask is you make the point a couple times 
that you don't think you think going private would help Twitter pull off whatever they need to pull off. And I always think that's like trying to back out what that if that's literally because they going private also means a change in management or if that just means I, I you know, it's it goes back, let's say. Michael Dell has made that argument and lots of people, you know, yeah, take- a lot of those had very clear businesses. Look, it, like I think you got the point in, in my paragraph on it, the, the second point, which is unique issues. I attribute the unique issues. Twitter is, you know, uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. And that's the wording I used. Right. Like I, I view it as this hybrid platform. This is what happened to it as a public company. If you actually look back at it today and it, it, it has developed from a, like a, a user experience standpoint as something that sits, you know, in between a Bloomberg and a LinkedIn and cable news. Okay. And in between an ESPN, okay. An Instagram, uh, uh, a Facebook, et cetera, in terms of social media. All right. Like it's, it's sat in the middle. It's had no focus from a revenue standpoint on either model, right? Like it doesn't have the purchase intent that comes with people who show up at, at, at Pinterest. It doesn't have this like youthful, uh, entertainment, hip, uh, cutting edge in terms of what, where social is now of, you know, the TikTok and uh, uh, Snapchat, okay? And uh, it, it, it doesn't have like, you know, the very clear divine economics from a business standpoint of like, oh, hey, you know, this HR department needs to pay uh, for LinkedIn recruiter, right? Uh, you should need to pay for LinkedIn premium to network, uh, to message somebody, right? Like a, like a well-defined subscription business, an enterprise model, really, right? But like with, with, a, with a consumer element. And it doesn't have Bloomberg charging, you know, a, a you know, ridiculous, what is it, $10,000, uh, $15,000 for the terminal. I think uh, it's in the 20s, I think. More. Yeah, yeah 20, I think it's 20, in 24 yeah, yeah. So call it $24,000. Uh, charging what they charge for the terminal to get premium, you know, tools for investing, right? And like, you know, BBM chat, right? To talk to everybody in the fixed income space. Uh, like, like these are all little things that Twitter like can do a little does a little bit of, or you know, a, a, an activist short seller uses it to distribute his thesis. Uh, uh, now you've got you know companies you know breaking major changes, right? Uh, corporate action activity, and like in Elon's case, just about anything, right? On Twitter first, okay. So it's the it's the breaking news. Got all these elements. But like it's, it's stuck with a brand advertising. Essentially, the business has been a brand advertising model. It's like bu- buying the billboard on, it, okay, and it's it, it seems it's unclear that it's suited for direct response. It doesn't look like, you know, the human behavior element uh, of shopping on Instagram is ever going to translate into it, no matter how much better that they get at it, because of how the user interacts with it. Okay, so like. Going back to this whole thing, it's like, hey, it's a trophy asset. Uh, there's nothing like it because, well, yeah, there is nothing like it because it is this hybrid, right? It is a hybrid. It gives you a little bit of everything. And that's also its biggest problem, 
right? Because everybody else is just kind of focused on their business model. So like, it looks like they spent a lot of time trying different things. And uh, in, in the sense of being a hybrid, like you ended up with kind of the culture of a hybrid, right? Like, you don't have to nail this. You don't have to nail that. Like, oh, Facebook dominates that. So-and-so dominates that. But like, we do a little bit of it. We do a little bit of that, right? And like, you get my point? Like, you can see it breeding. Like, if you actually want to think about it that way, like an environment where you don't necessarily have to get much done. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine on the buy side, really smart guy. And he was like, this shit, like Elon should just Craigslist this, right? It's like, you know, 50 What's people will run it. And, Meaning uh, just dump everybody is what you're getting he, at. He's, he loves the classified space and he, he knows Craigslist numbers and he has a good sense of the cash conversion. And he's like, people don't realize, you know, uh, like everyone thinks Craigslist is a failure because they haven't had greater aspirations and all these other things have popped up over the years, but it just still means money. Right. And it's always minted money. And like it's happy being what it is. Like in a sense, maybe like Twitter could take that approach. Right. Like, and like, I mean, Elon is capable uh, financially of turning it into something like that, by the way. Like, uh, he doesn't have to extract max value. uh, And he could put it in a position where, I mean, like, you know, it's at least worth 20 billion, like, you know, sustainably. Right. Like you know, un- under the hood. So, but what? So the argument for why private would be helpful is because that whether they were to go something like that or just to refocus and redevelop a strategy, like the public markets, where you're always expected to grow, hit your numbers, and so on, it makes it harder to kind of like this is the the difference between doing that, taking your stock, and exiting now fifty four twenty is uh is meaningful is, is that sort of the argument you're making on the yeah and, and no, well no well i'm saying what you're getting today based like management's laid out a path and we're saying you're getting a, a notable premium okay to our belief in their ability to execute on that path right. based on okay. how you value everything else right so like uh 54 20 in today's tape is that like i have faith that they're going to continue to grow this 20 percent and like get more profit and figure things out gradually okay i don't see them doing like we just laid out the craigslist model i I personally don't think that's what that what elon is thinking i think he has ambitions okay that are far greater than just you know uh letting it sit in the way it is and uh, getting rid of the bots and you know being uh providing some sort of color on on speech policy or whatever because even, I mean, did you read the former Reddit CEO's post? I did. Yishan yes. Wong. I mean, yeah. Very yeah. interesting. That was a fantastic post. Like, I mean, that guy's, that guy's background is, you know, he's PayPal. He's yeah. I, I, I didn't realize that he must've known. I guess he must've known Elon from PayPal. I didn't realize that when I read the yeah. thread. So, I mean, like, well, like, it seems like he starts kind of right around when they sell, but like he's a, a, an yeah. early days employee, but then he's, he, he's at Facebook from, like really early days, 05 to 010, and then he's Reddit CEO, right, for a couple of years. So like, I'd say a qualified expert, right, on speech, okay? And And just uh, very briefly, not like from my experience, 
in the financial media space, like not at all wrong about the just like, you know, I've got my political views. People at work have their political views, but like you really just want people to behave themselves and like, and it's so hard for even, even if it's not political, even, I mean, you've dealt with it and seeking out for the comment streams and so on. Like just people behaving themselves while discuss while arguing about anything is just so. Yeah. Uh, because you're not uh, visible, yeah. right? You're hot. You're, it's, it's bad enough that you, I mean, have you, like, I used to talk about this all the time, just in terms of personal relationships, once texting blew up, right? Like if you would have an issue with with a girlfriend, significant other, whatever, right? Things can escalate really stupidly over text. And like part of the way of really diffusing it is actually physic best idea, physical presence, right? But uh, you know, at least on the phone, so there's audio intonation and like a, a back and forth, right? In real time, like that little bit of a delay in messaging and like that, like lack of, you know, visibility can just lead to like really like just childish and we're all guilty of it. Right. No one has an, like you can, you're just capable of like saying something really mean. Uh, and, uh, like it, it, imagine that and like take away, uh, identity in many cases. Right. And like, any reputational like, cost. Can, yeah. yeah. That's what you're stuck. That's what you're stuck with. So like, I mean, it, 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 his point is excellent that the early days of it, what of the internet, like, I mean, you know, if you just watch the Tommy Lee Pamela uh, Hulu thing and you think, and it's like, hey, do we have the, the web? <laughs> you know? It's like, we have a PC, but we know we don't have the web yet. And they go to like a library in Malibu. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I have a, I have a watch, but yeah, I can imagine. You know, but like the whole point is like, you can, you, you know, p- porn was a big deal, right? Oh, like, yeah. It was a space that was like the internet was like, hey, we now have this like new space where conservatives can't get to us, right? The religious right is kind of like, you know, you don't have to have the the, the hustler uh, uh, playboy type of, uh, you know, revelation. Oh, rapper and, or yeah. whatever, yeah. And, and, and the back and forth that you had over those, you know, the, the, the 70s and 80s. Uh, the internet opened this up to like uh, freedom of expression. You could pretty much, you know, like for those who felt repressed, uh, that was the case. I'm like, this guy's point is that we're not there anymore. Right. It became the form of, of, of communication. Everyone is present there. Right. So it has all the problems of regular society. Everyone is battling each other on both ends. So you can't sit here and make the argument that, uh, these platforms, you know, are leaning uh, in, in one direction or another because, by the very nature of society, at one time they're leaning conservative, at one time they're leaning left. Like that's their reflection. And add in the fact that they're global, it, you know, it further complicates it. You know, you've got dictators who can come on. You've got all kinds of things that go on that they have to deal with. You've got hackers. Uh, it's a mo- it's modern day warfare, right? It's used for disinformation. Uh, uh, as far as governments want to go in terms of swaying elections and politics and not everything. Like, I mean, these, this, the, all the real world problems, like, you know, just migrated over, right? So it's no longer this beacon of like, like as he points out, of like what maybe like a, a late 90s guy might, might have idealized and be like, oh, you can get on here and you can blog about anything, right? 
And, you can meet people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It like gets you away from like this world where things have been restricted. Like that's over. So, okay. So the last thing I wanted to ask about, you said you called the company a jack of all trades and that's the, I did a little control F while we were talking. That's the only time you use the word jack in the piece. And I'm just curious what you make of Mr. Dorsey's uh, reemergence around all of this and being super enthusiastic about Musk, tweeting cryptically before about his regrets in the industry. Uh, he now... Sounds like he's a grumpy at his board at the very least, even though he's on that board. And I, I guess my initial take is it seems a bit. Well, he's off the board. He stepped down, right? So like, did he step down? He's just, like, yeah, he's serving out his term till the twenty twenty two shareholder meeting. Right. So like, okay. He's done. Fine. That yeah, right? I guess. Like, okay. Yeah. So I mean, like he still has to do his job, but I mean, the exit's coming. Fair enough. But it just yeah, he's it did. It does seem a little, uh, I don't know. It seems a little, whether or not, you know, maybe you have a, some are speculating that maybe they're in league or whatever, but it just seems like a little, his presence here, which everybody's presence is self-serving to one degree or the other, but it seems a little self-serving um, to start carping up and pointing fingers at the board and all of this stuff when, you know, he co-founded the company and was CEO for like, I don't know. I, what, what do you make of Jack Dorsey's presence and all of this? You know, I don't really think there's too much to read into it. Like he's, uh, I mean, he, he, he has a long history with the company. Uh, he's obviously in a position now to share his views more freely. Right. And I think like, I mean, Jack is always kind of at the, like, he's at the center of what's going on. So, you know, like, he does chime in. So I think uh, with respect to Twitter, I mean, like, and the fact that Elon Musk has showed up, like, what more could be a bigger deal, <laughs> right? So it's just another big topic for him. Like, like what everybody does on Twitter. It's, it's just another big, big story. He's a, he, he, he's a co-founder and he, uh, and it's like the biggest story, you know, uh, in, in the world right now. It's the most trending thing on the platform. So what else is there other than for him to, you know, share his own views? Like he's saying that the dysfunction has been an issue always. Well, I mean, we know that that was the case. Right. Uh, I mean, like he got forced out in 08. Okay. I mean, like they've constantly dealt with one version or another of, uh, of drama. Yeah. Yeah. That is the Twitter story. I don't think I look, put it this way. I don't think that there's anything in what Jack has said what tweeted over the weekend uh, that like requires uh you know uh deep analysis <laughs> you, you follow me yeah maybe not like, no. I, I just think like don't overread I the tea leaves yeah i think he's he's sharing his views uh as he should and uh you know we are all spectators to that yeah. Okay. Fair enough. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, 
maybe maybe we'll rush this out just in case news breaks tomorrow. But uh, it's definitely. I, I, I saw my view on, on speed. Like I don't think I'm, I'd be very surprised if anybody else is going to intervene. So like if nobody else is going to intervene, I I can't see much happening here. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's weird to. I get the whole. You've made the case for why it's a fair value, and the whole. I moved right to the last stage. Don't try to go back and forth, but it does seem like a weird. Po- yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I, I think I would have leaned more towards that. This is gonna, especially after his talk on Thursday. This felt like more of the make an excuse to make an exit. Like he tries, then he can sell his stake and grumble about how how Twitter failed to listen to him. Maybe he'll agitate to start another platform or whatever. But yeah, maybe I would imagine, I guess we don't need to speculate too much. I'd imagine he would be like chairman. I don't imagine he would run the company. It seems like that would be a third company for him to be public or to be CEO of would seem like a bit or fourth. I, I don't know. Fifth. How many companies does he have? Seems like a bit much, but certainly never boring. No, it's nonstop drama. Thank you for listening to the razor's edge. Subscribe to this, wherever you get your podcasts, hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Short Man Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.